The Ford F-150 truck drives smart design forward. The standard 12-inch productivity screen helps you get what you need done too. And the available Pro-Access tailgate improves access to bed and cargo and utilization of the bed, including when towing a trailer. Together with a wider bumper step, it's easier to access the bed and load in tight spaces. And available Pro Power Onboard serves as a mobile power source, providing up to 7.2 kilowatts of power to charge a bed full of electric dirt bikes or run an entire job site worth of tools. I'm still driving my 2016 F-150 truck and 90,000 miles in. As long as I keep it clean, it honestly still looks brand new. I've taken it down snow-covered forest service roads, taken it out camping, put a ton of miles on it on the freeway, had five adults in the cabin for long trips, and it's been great everywhere. Super dependable. I still love the way it looks, nice and rugged design, but with a super comfortable interior. And I'm still very happy with the quality sound system and heated seats. And since I bought my 2016 F-150 truck, the list of standard amenities that make a truck feel like a luxury vehicle have only grown. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes. The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. In 1955, John McCarthy, the young sweater and glasses wearing, soon to be MIT mathematical researcher, PhD in mathematics having, current Dartmouth assistant professor, future Stanford professor, future wizard looking motherfucker, and one of the early minds behind the very internet itself, organized the first conference of artificial intelligence, a term he coined. John wanted to explore ways to make a machine that could reason like a human was capable of abstract thought, problem solving, and self-improvement. He believed that every aspect of learning or any other feature of intelligence can in principle be so precisely described that a machine can be made to simulate it. Those are his words. He also thought artificial intelligence would rival or even surpass human intelligence somewhere between five and 500 years before passing away in 2011. And maybe, just maybe, like most dudes, when it comes to AI, on some level, he wanted a sweet, sweet sex robot. Probably. Find out how close we are, or not, to achieving John's futuristic vision of living with humanoid robots in this definitely sci-fi, possibly dystopian, maybe even a little bit perverted, sonic adventure that is today's Time Suck. You're listening to Time Suck. Very excited about today's topic. Uh, Topic? Topic. I'm so excited I can't even say the word topic. Uh, it was suggested to me uh, by Jeremy Judd via Facebook. Thank you, Jeremy. I have wasted several days of my life, and I hope you uh, are better for it. Uh, sucked into this thing because, man, I had no idea how much shit was out there. And I, and I just hit the tip of the iceberg with this. Uh, I feel like some of you, hopefully many of you, are going to be doing even more research yourselves. Digging deep on this one. Um, there are definitely a few others I'm already looking forward, uh, as far as topics to, to spending hours of my life researching and look forward to future suggestions. And yeah, and I have a little list going currently, so I apologize to that, uh, or apologize to you if I did, if I'm not getting to yours right away. Uh, but there's just so many things I'm curious about 
And, uh, you know, and sometimes if a topic doesn't resonate me, I just, with me, I just can't make a good episode about it. And also, this is the first um, episode I've recorded since the election, and I just, this is going to take 30 seconds. It's going to be relatively painless. Let's just get this shit out of the way. Uh, I was moving last week, uh, and the Corey Haim time suck was previously recorded, so that's, that's why I'm just addressing it now. Uh, thanks for all the great feedback on that one, by the way, and RIP again, Mr. Haim. Uh, not going to dig into the election results, you know, uh, too deeply, because I was reminded after making a few angry posts uh, on Wednesday after the election on social media that the wound is still too fresh for those uh, who voted for Hillary and that a lot of people who voted for uh, Mr. Trump are the sorest fucking winners I've ever come across in my goddamn life. You fucking won. So calm. So enjoy it. If you voted for him, it, it really, and then somebody makes a Facebook post about like, eh, I don't like him, and you just like, Bleh! and have to fucking attack. Dude, are you fucking kidding me? That's like, you know, what, somebody wins their basketball game, and the loser's like, nah, I don't like to lose. And then you're like, fuck you, motherfucker. We won. Respect that shit. You're an asshole. You're a fucking asshole. Uh, so calm down. Um, but I, uh, I'm not going to go into uh, uh, conservative or liberal politics. I am just going to say that uh, I'm ashamed of myself for sticking my head in the political sand for the past decade. And I just plan on being a lot more politically conscious and active going forward. And I, and I hope everybody else, liberal, conservative, in between, everything else, uh, does the same, you know? Because I definitely took this uh, <laughs> uh, or, or made, made camp in this place of the who gives a shit, system's broken, fucking doesn't matter what I do. Uh, I stayed there way too long. And that's not cool, you know? Uh, that's not helping anything. And, and just like I do in this podcast, when you're doing your research on whoever it is you want to vote for, please just, just you know, find credible and multiple sources to base your opinions on, uh, as opposed to Wikipedia or uh, Alex Jones, for example. And, and, and I hope we, uh, we can just begin to talk to each other, blue and red alike, figure out what's truly best for all of us, all cultures, all colors, all dick and vagina preferences uh, and, and combos, uh, whatever system you're working with, whatever system you'd like to have, whatever system you'd like to play with, uh, as long as it's adult. Fucking let's be clear on that. Uh, you know, uh, I hope we can all just talk. So... So here we go. Uh, I, I, got, I picked this, this Time Suck uh, topic this week, uh, again, from Jeremy, a lot, largely because of Westwood. Super into that show right now. This is a show uh, on HBO, and holy shit. I'm so, I, I got an art, artistic appreciation uh, boner uh, from just bringing it up. I am rock hard with excitement for Westwood. Uh, I'm only seven episodes in. That's where I'm at right now. And I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to be that guy. Um, if, if you're, if you're worried about that right now, what an asshole that guy is, by the way, you know, if you're, it's one thing if you're talking about a show from like five years ago and you spoil something that's on the person listening. All right. You had a good half decade to catch up on that shit. So you're bad, you know, if you're upset, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, when, when somebody like is talking about a show that's currently like, like, like you've missed one episode behind and there's been a big buildup, and then they just ruin it without asking. I just want lightning to fucking strike them. You know, maybe not kill them, but, you know, shake them up for a little while. Like, and strike them, like, immediately after, after spoiling it. So they make a connection between spoiling things and getting a, a, a Mother Nature uh, zap. But, but uh, if you haven't seen Westworld, I'm not, I, I just want to, like, uh, bring you up to speed on it. It's just, it's just like this futuristic, again, it's this HBO show uh, that I wish I was... A, <laughs> I was going to say I wish I was a part of it. I'm so into it. It's like I would love to – maybe I wouldn't love to work on that, though. You know, that's what I learned uh, working in the past five years in some other random shows is you, you're like, oh, man, it'd be so fun to work in this. And then uh, maybe or maybe you got a psychotic boss 
uh, who, you know, makes you stay fucking long hours uh, day after day serving their vision. And no matter how good that vision is, long hours suck. One of the many reasons I became a comic. Okay, so Westworld is this, uh, it's this futuristic theme park. And it, oh my God, the fucking CGI is goddamn incredible on this. But it's like, uh, it's, and it's such an amazing concept. I guess it was a Michael Crichton movie from before. I never actually saw the original movie, and maybe it was a book before that. Uh, those facts are irrelevant to, today, to today's discussion. But uh, um, but anyway, like people can basically, you, you, you pay $40,000, and you take this uh, train out into this huge, vast expanse of what looks like Utah, this huge, gigantic desert train, like, you know, hundreds of square miles, and there's basically like this this badass resort kind of hotel in the middle of this, and then um, you can take a little you know train from that resort into the actual theme park itself, which is uh, stylized in, in in the in the likings of the Wild West, hence Westworld, and um, you know it's. <laughs> It's crazy. It's, it's virtual reality meets reality. Um, there's like these Wild West towns, like a variety of towns in this world that you become a character in. And there's brothels, saloons, shops, etc. Uh, lots of time spent focusing on the brothels, by the way. And I'm not complaining. Heavy boobs, heavy boobage uh, in this series, and uh, and quality boobs. So if that's if that's like a tipping point for you on shows, if you're like, man, but I'd like to watch it, but I'm not really into the Wild West, but I am super into boobs and robots. Well, strap in, motherfucker, because this is the show of your life. Um, but it, you know, and, and by the way, and it feels organic to me. It's not like gratuitous. It just it makes sense as they're going uh, in, in the show. Uh, the nudity. It's not just like uh, it's not like Spartacus was on Stars. If anybody saw that, where it's just like, all right, we get it. Uh, people like to have sex back then. Um, but there's like there's miles and miles of railroad tracks and trains. There's horses, wildlife, Native American tribes, uh, you know, Confederate soldiers, Union soldiers. Miners, saloon keepers, and all these people, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and all the you know people, animals that quote unquote live in this very, very hyper realistic world are actually just robots made of synthetic tissue that looks and feels incredibly real. Uh, the title sequence for the show actually kind of shows partly how they're made. Some kind of like merger of advanced three D printing, nanotechnology, powerful microprocessing, and and they're programmed with super advanced artificial intelligence. So you can talk to them, seduce them, be seduced by them, hurt them, kill them, love them, go on adventures with them. Because uh, all the robots are in these loops that seem to reset, I think, daily. And each robot, well, it depends. Uh, they reset daily uh, depending on how long the adventure goes for people. Like you could go on one with multiple for multiple days. And so it won't reset until you're, you've completed or not completed your adventure. Then it goes back to the center. Like you always start off in this one little town. And the farther you get uh, away from this town, the crazier the adventures you can go into. And all the adventures are written by these, you know, in-house writers, or you know, who create these narratives. And all the robots serve these various narratives. But within these various narratives, like they, like they will know that they're a, oh, uh, a soldier who is trying to get revenge on. And I'm just making this up again, not spoiling anything. Like let's say it's some soldier who is, uh, you know, they want to get revenge on another soldier who wronged them previously or whatever. Well, you might walk into a little town and you'll like overhear this guy talking about like, man, I'm riding out and uh, it's done. You know, he can't get away with what he did. Uh, you know, let, let's, let's get this son of a bitch who's with me. And then they'll make eye contact with you and you're like, hey man, uh, I'm in. And then, <laughs> and then they're always like, it's like a improv kind of team, these robots too. It's very much yes and. 
You know, if you say, like, I'm in, they're not going to be like, well, fucking tough shit, fatty. Uh, You're not tough enough to fight. Get to the fucking saloon. They're never going to shoot you down. They're gonna always gonna be like, hell yeah, man. We need we need to do we need a strong man like you. It's very like you know they're pleasing to the ego, and so then you go on this adventure, and they can shoot at you, and, it, and it, like if they hit you, it like it stings, but it doesn't hurt you. But you can shoot them, and uh, you know make it look like 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 blood fucking splatters out, like they they die in a way that a real person would die. It's fucking crazy, and then you just kind of go on and on, and then eventually if you get like you know caught by the bad guys who they can they can't kill you but they can kind of like they can punch you they can wrestle you they can throw you in jail and then like you know your adventure could be over you know and you can also just tap out and be like i'm good i've had enough i want to go back home and you're paying forty thousand dollars a day so you know just after a day you might just be like i don't have 80 grand to continue this adventure you know i spent my 40 and i gotta get back home fucking incredible though uh (laughs) really and and basically the show plays uh, amongst many interesting kind of philosophical concepts, such as, you know, what desires will man give into when there are no legal repercussions for his actions. The show plays with this notion of consciousness. Like, is basically, is there any real difference between the robots and us? Like, if, if the artificial intelligence becomes so real that the robots think that they're alive, they've been programmed with this backstory, but the backstory is as real to them, their memories are as real to them as our memories are to us, What's the difference between, you know, them and us as far as like kind of moral things? Like, you know, if they have feelings and all this, if they can feel pain. Is it a moral? Is it a moral to hurt them? You know, if they become self-aware, you know, are, are they really different than us on a fundamental human level? Did, you know, did the park creators create beings on par with God creating humans? It kind of plays with these notions. And, uh, you know, because I mean, other than not being able to kill humans, uh, who the who the robots recognize on a subconscious level, they can do they can do anything that you know we can within this park, and uh, <laughs> it's crazy. And then there's this kind of like you know the Jeremy the the, the guy who brought up this uh, topic for me to research. He, he referenced Skynet, which is the Terminator movies, which in the machines rise against us. Artificial intelligence decides that humans are like a fucking pest and need to be eradicated. And there's concerns. I think they don't really address that in Westworld. From what I've seen yet, but it's like, you know, uh, <laughs> could these things turn on us? There definitely is that, and, you know, not like control the world, but could they turn on us? Because the scary thing is, is our intelligence is limited by just, you know, basic or, or I don't know, human parameters or whatever. These crazy microprocessors that these robots have, they decide kind of how smart each robot's going to be, but they're not like truly limited. So you could be, you know, uh, if the robots could figure out how to program themselves, what the machines are already using, they could set their intelligence to be off the fucking chart and be way smarter than us. And because they're robots, they're already way stronger than us. You know, they can, if they could figure out how to repair themselves and not need humans to repair them, they could be essentially, you know, nearly immortal. They wouldn't age, you know, could they just fuck us up? <laughs> That's something, uh, that I think about watching this show. And, and it's something that, you know, people with artificial intelligence naturally go to. I feel like people go to two places with AI most people, they go to, like, basically companion robots, like fucking sex bots. Are we going to be able to fuck robots that look exactly like humans? I think mostly dudes are thinking that. Am I going to have a hot chick who doesn't fucking sass me and thinks that I'm cool, no matter what, how big a dirtbag I am? <laughs> it's such a male fantasy. And then the other place is, are they going to fucking kill all of us? Uh, I think yes and yes, based on what I've dug into this episode. <laughs> I think 
there's a very real chance that someday we could have to deal with a serious, serious robot threat because, you know, there's people making these robots right now and obviously they're not making them to kill us, but, you know, all it takes is one dickhead hacker who's really good. It's like, look at all this um, software out there to make our lives easier where our credit cards are stored, you know, you got Apple Pay in your phone and you don't have to like dig through your wallet anymore and that's great. But it also means that all your credit card information is online now. All of your identity information is online. And then a hacker, and it does happen, obviously. Identity theft is a huge, you know, a widely common crime. People get it. And then they take this beautiful thing that was meant to make your life better, and some dickheads use it to steal from you. Well, of course, some anarchist, nihilistic dickhead or group of dickheads, uh, once the robots are out there and doing cool shit, they're going to figure out how to make them kill us. And then, you know, maybe we'll be able to wipe them out. You know, I mean, that's the, <laughs> you know, that's the whole Terminator thing, the whole struggle. It's like, I, I think we're going to have that struggle. I don't know if they're going to take us out, but I think, I think war with robots is in the future of our species. And I know that makes me sound crazy, but just listen to what I'm going to show you on this. Um, and so uh, before, you know, I, I want to show you kind of where AI is now. I want to get back to this John McCarthy and, and, and take a look uh, at the humble beginnings of the AI movement. I know, right? As much as I like to think uh, this is not a historical podcast, I feel like it's, it's so hard to address topics without really, you know, digging back into them. So um, the, the question of can a machine think like a man and what are ethical consequences uh, goes back to at least the 17th century when Rene Descartes he wondered in this philosopher in his, in his discourse on the method published in 1637, quote, how many different automa are moving machines, um, automata, sorry, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, or moving machines can be made by the industry of man. For we can easily understand a machine's being constituted so that it, utter, it can utter words and even emit some responses to action on it of a corporeal kind, which brings about a change in its organs. For instance, it touched in a particular part, it may ask, if touched in a particular part, it may ask what we wish to say to it. If in another part, it may exclaim that it is being hurt, and so on. But it never happens that it arranges its species, its speeches in various ways in order to reply appropriately to everything that may be said in its presence or even the lowest, as even the lowest type of man can do. Okay, so basically, he's saying, he thought back then, yeah, maybe we could make machines someday that, you know, like, yeah, you push a button, you get a certain response, but you couldn't actually have a conversation with them and have them, uh, you know, kind of be able to improv essentially. And that's, that's already not true. <laughs> I'm going to show you some stuff later. That's already not true. So we've already gone farther than that. And then, you know, in much later in 1950, uh, this early British computer scientist, Alan Turing, the same Alan Turing played by Benedict Cumberbatch in The Imitation Game, uh, developed what would later be pointed to as the ultimate test in AI, the Turing test. And this is kind of, you know, what Descartes was talking about. He wanted to, um, he thought the test for artificial intelligence would be, you know, if you could prove that wrong, which is when you have a human evaluator, a judge, a natural language conversation between a human and a machine. Uh, some machine that's designed to generate human-like responses, and if the value, if the evaluator can't tell the difference between the human and the machine, like doesn't know who's who, then we've truly uh, arrived at AI. And I think we're fucking close. And again, I'm going to get to that. Um, and I didn't know how close we were. My mind was blown. My mind. Um, and again, this is something constantly played with on HBO's Westworld. You know, they're always checking in with the robots. It's like these constant scenes in the show where they're kind of asking them if they're self-aware, 
you know, uh, testing their abilities to improv along, uh, you know, are they, are they truly improving on their own or are they improving along the themes as they were designed to do? It's crazy. It's so crazy. Yeah. But they're, but they're, yeah, trying to figure out like, are they basically evolving on their own? And, and there, uh, and there have been numerous critiques of the Turing test, by the way, for, like, uh, Philosophers point to like emotion, core values, desires, et cetera, in addition to just communication skills being what makes us human. And, and, and Westworld digs into that as well. Like do, do the robots feel bad about the way the guests occasionally mistreat them? Are the robots self-aware? You know, do they think they're real? And, um, and, I, and, I, and I agree with that too. I, but I think this thing where it's like, <clears throat> I don't know, it's, it's all, it gets all so confusing. It's like, okay, even if the robots truly are just like mimicking what they think a human would say as opposed to having genuine feelings behind what they're saying. I don't know. Does it, does it, does it really make them that different, you know, with that, that distinction? I mean, there's, there's sociopaths out there who just kind of mimic, I think what people, they think people would normal quote unquote normal people would do. And they just kind of mimic that. Is a robot any different than them? Really? Ah, it's, it's, it's such a mind fuck. Um, by the way, Turing never really got to expand it on this test, unfortunately. He poisoned himself with cyanide in 1954 at the age of 41. Or maybe he poisoned, you know, maybe he poisoned himself. Maybe he's, maybe he's killed. Some scholars, you know, think he, think he was murdered. Uh, he was persecuted for being homosexual. Uh, if only he could live long enough to program robots to kill homophobes. Homophobe bot. That'd be fucking dope robot. Uh, but let's get back to McCarthy. So this fucking wizard-looking dude, uh, who I'm going to put a picture up uh, on timesuckpodcast.com in the episode description because he just cracks me up like like he looks exactly like who you would think of some mad scientist dude who back in the 50s was like yeah i'm just gonna devote the rest of my life to ai and then pulled it off which is just an insane thing to me when their computers were so limited at the time yeah he was just like yeah he looks he's like a fucking wizard like he time traveled back then and started working on shit so 1959 he uh oh oh before i get to that sorry he this guy uh he was described uh as, as always focused on the future, he created the Lisp computer language, which became the standard for AI programming, still used today. So, like, like this, this programming language paved the way for all kinds of stuff, like Siri on the iPhone, you know, like voice recognition software. 1959, he gets MIT's AI lab up and running, heads back to Stanford in the early 60s, gets that AI lab up and running. He ran the Homebrew Computer Club for Silicon Valley hobbyists in the 70s. Members like uh, Steve motherfucking Jobs, maybe you've heard of him, the god of Apple. The guy who invented the iPod Nano. I don't know if he invented that, but he, he started the company that did. Uh, Steve uh, Wozniak, another founder of Apple. These are just dudes, you know, hung out in his little, his little computer club. He was, John was like the Michael Jordan and John Wooden of AI. You know, he didn't, he didn't quite invent the concept, the notion, but no one done more for the game from both the teaching and a coding, inventing, you know, like slash playing perspective than this dude. And, and, I, and I tried to learn uh, more about this list computer, computer language he invented to explain, like, the building blocks of AI programming, but it's fucking boring as shit, you guys, to me. It's very boring to me. Uh, it reminds me of when I tried to study computer programming uh, back in college, which was my first major, by the way, for it lasted a few weeks. I went to uh, Gonzaga, and I thought I was going to be a computer programmer, and I started off in computer science. And, and that, uh, that thought brings up a new segment I'm calling uh, Getting Lost Down Nostalgia Lane. You're about to get lost down nostalgia lane. All right, when I started off uh, in Gonzaga, I, I took this Pascal programming language. 
it was like well, in my first semester, and it was like it was really weird because it was a dead language at the time. Things were going to C plus plus, I think it was called either C plus or C plus plus. And uh, so I was like, why do I even have to learn this? But apparently, a lot of the concepts were building blocks for for later stuff. And and first off, it sucked because there was a lot of homework. And I was like, God damn it! Uh, but I was really into computers, you know. I you know I had gaming. Con- I wanted to be like make. I wanted to make video games because I'd been to them, you know, my whole life. I'd been into them. Five years old, four years old, maybe even had my Atari. 2600 playing missile command uh i think chopper command a lot of command games apparently uh, centipede that kind of stuff and then i and then i had a, a commodore 64 one of the ea games early ones skate or die yeah a lot of you don't even know what a fucking commodore 64 is that was a real computer it was right under the commodore 128 and then commodore uh put out its next model the commodore we're now fucking bankrupt because ibm and other places have taken over <laughs> nobody wants to use commodores uh, and then I had a Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Street Fighter 2, uh, compact computer with Doom, Warcraft, you know, uh, and, and, and it was all really fun to play. But then I learned that programming it is like super tedious and you're just staring at code and I didn't like that at all. And, and then as I remember like my second week of class, uh, I had this, again, this Pascal programming class and, um, and, uh, the professor we had, can't remember his name, but he was, he wasn't like out of a movie as well, like fucking super dork. This dude, he had like crazy dandruff. He had a, like a press down, you know, kind of comb over style thing with these shitty thick glasses, pocket protector with a couple pens. Uh, my mind's putting even some kind of like like a like a. Uh, I think he had a, a Texas instrument, one of those fancy calculators in his pocket as well. Uh, tucked his long sleeve shirts into his khakis, uh, and a little bit of a gut. Uh, and I only bring that up because he would write equations on the chalkboard. And as he's writing, his gut would rub against the chalkboard, and then he would turn to address the class, and everybody else was paying attention to what he's saying. And all I'm thinking of, like, dude, you fucking have a belly of chalk. All I can think about is your chalk belly. Like his shirt, he would have like a dark-colored shirt that would be covered, completely covered in chalk. And I remember like looking around to the other kids in my class, like, you fucking chalk guy, get, get a load of this, get a load of this fucking guy. And nothing from them. They were just like, what? So, yeah, dude, that's what happens. Yeah, you, when you rub your belly on a chalk, you get a chalk belly. So what? It's life. And I just thought, fuck these guys. There's no way, no matter how good of a career it is, I'm going to spend the next 40 years hanging around with these stoic assholes. So there you go. So there you go. That's why I never got into uh, video games. Welcome back from nostalgia lane. Okay, so we're back. We're back into history. McCarthy died in 2011 at the age of 84. And, uh, you know, he never got to see AI truly become a reality, which some think uh, will never be the case, actually. Some don't think it's truly possible. And these people are uh, known as idiots. No, some are scholars. In 1980, uh, disagreeing with McCarthy article on artificial intelligence entitled Ascribing Mental Qualities to Machines, uh, philosopher John Searle came up with the Chinese room argument. This argument states that computers can never have a mind, understanding, or consciousness regardless of how intelligent they can become. And he supposed an AI computer could like learn Chinese, for example. It could memorize Chinese vocabulary and grammar rules, speak it correctly, etc. It could even pass the Turing test, fool someone into thinking they're talk- talking to a real Chinese person. However, does it truly, quote, understand Chinese? Or is it just simulating someone who does? Searle then supposes that he's in a room, uh, a closed room, has a book with a Chinese version of the computer program. Uh, along with sufficient paper, pencils, erasers, and filing cabinets, he could receive Chinese characters through a slot in the door, process them according to the program's instructions, and produce Chinese characters as output. 
If the computer had passed the Turing test this way, it follows, says Searle, that he would do so as well simply by running the program manually. And I think what he's saying here in this test is that, like, uh, I, I don't really care, uh, but he, he's he's saying that, like, it, it, it doesn't have any feelings or anything about these. It's, it's just, you know, like, it's math, essentially, this language to him. It's just take, But it doesn't truly understand it. But I don't, I don't know that that really matters, you know? It's, it's like, when, when, like when I see a rock... I know it's called a rock because someone has told me it's called a rock. It has been assigned that title. I don't think about it more deeply than that. I, you know, so I, I don't know if I agree with his test. It's like, who cares if the computer doesn't have any like feelings about the language and it's just outputting code it's received. I think we kind of just output code we receive in a lot of ways as humans. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure a lot of like religious people would, would disagree with that line of thinking. But anywho, uh, McCarthy, uh, various colleagues, uh, they did a lot to get AI going and then wake up and pay attention. Conspiracy theorists, 1958 DARPA is created. The defense advanced research projects agency originally known as ARPA. Uh, they added a D a little later as I like to do myself from time to time. <laughs> Dick joke, snuck it in. Okay. Anyway, Skynet motherfuckers for the record in Terminator Skynet came alive in 2011. So if the movie Terminator is to be prophetic in any sense, at least they're behind schedule. But anyway, uh, President Eisenhower starts DARPA to ensure U.S. military technology will be more sophisticated than any of its nation's potential enemies. Suck it, Russia. And from the 1960s to the 1990s, DARPA provided most of the funding for AI research, funding even our beloved wizard John McCarthy's AI research at Stanford. And uh, like he was doing it, he was getting DARPA funding and perhaps inspiring the Dharma Initiative in the Lost Television series. Guessing on that, but wouldn't be surprised. Uh, DARPA... Uh, funded a speech understanding initiative leading to technology that, that, that led to Siri, you know, John's work, voice recognition stuff. They, uh, DARPA research led to, directly to the internet itself. Pretty big deal. Uh, still around today, working on God knows what uh, as far as DARPA is. Probably some top secret shit. Found some rumors on the web. Uh, rumors that DARPA is funding a, a program to replace GPS uh, with some type of atomic GPS. Like a system that can more accurately locate people, places, things on Earth without using satellites, which is terrifying. Because then they could land a missile up any of our asses at any second. I feel like it's all coming fucking Orwellian thought control shits on its way, apparently. Uh, they're also working on some type of software that allows you to track something from one camera to another. And they're working on new satellite cameras that can take a high-res photo uh, of any place on, any, on Earth at any time, day or night. Developing technology that will sonar map structures, allowing them to track individuals inside of buildings. God damn it. I mean, that combination means any of us could be watched at any time. And then all the time, you know, and then Big Brother, you know, he's just he's just checking on us continually and uh, working on those butthole missiles I talked about. And that's that's a tough combo for us. But enough theorizing. Let's talk about where shit is actually at. You just learned something about history, even though this is not about history. And yes, I'm singing my own actual song. Okay, so enough history, enough speculation. Let's get to the entire point of this particular podcast. How close are we right now to Westworld sex robots? Mm-hmm. I mentioned perversion earlier. Found an article from no, uh, November 15th on the nextweb.com and AI in the future of sex robots. And it refers to a book by some dude who refers to himself as a futurologist. Sounds pseudo-legit. Uh, a man named Dr. Ian Pearson, who claims by the year 2050, sex with robots will become commonplace. And actually, there'll be more people having sex with robots than sex with humans. <laughs> I don't doubt it, actually. Matt McMullen, creator of The Sex Doll, and I'm putting a picture of one of these in the episode description again at timesuckpodcast.com if you're curious. 
Uh, he's working on sex dolls that use AI intelligence right now. And the dolls he already has, you can see a picture of one if you look, uh, 5000 bucks a pop. Creepy realistic. Kind of sexy. I, I, it's weird to say, but yeah, kind of sexy. It's crazy shit. Crazy shit is already here. Uh, definitely already here. There's a CNBC YouTube video of an interview conducted at South by Southwest in 2016 with an AI ro- uh, robot developed by Hanson Robotics, uh, who wants, or Hanson Robots, excuse me, who wants robots to work in healthcare. You know, I'm just going to actually uh, let let him speak. Check it, check this out. This is this is crazy. We're designing these robots to serve in healthcare, therapy, education, and customer service applications. The robots are mm-hmm. designed to look very human-like. And, like and it Sophia. does look fairly I'm human-like. already very interested in design. That's Technology. a robot talking. And the environment. I feel like I can be a good partner to humans in these areas. An ambassador uh. who helps humans to smoothly integrate and make the most of all the new technological tools and possibilities that are available now. It's a good opportunity for me to learn a lot about people. Sophia... Her eye, oh wait. Her eyes are creepy realistic looking. Creepy realistic looking. Look, look, listen to what uh, Hanson has to say. Natural facial expression. She has cameras in her eyes uh, and algorithms which allow her to see faces so she can make eye contact with you. And she can also understand speech and remember the interactions, remember your face. So this Whoa. will allow her to get smarter over time. Ugh. Her goal is that. She will be as conscious, creative, and capable as any human. In the future, I hope to do things such as go to school, study, make art, start a business. Fucking crazy. Crazy. And, <laughs> and you know, she, she definitely, like, you would know that she wasn't human looking at her, but, like, way closer than I expected us to be at now in 2016. Holy shit. And I just think if we're this close now... I mean, I mean, he's saying by like two th- 2036, you know, in 20 years, uh, this guy says, you know, they're going to be part of everyday life. I think he'd be faster than that because technology is advancing just exponentially quicker. You know, it's like I, I think about how, you know, what, 12 years ago I, I had the, a smartphone technically that was just so, like this Palm Pilot. It was so clunky. It works so slow. Com- I mean, compared to the iPhone today, the iPhone is a light years ahead of this thing. It's smaller, lighter can do a million things, can take better pictures than the actual physical camera I had at that time back then. You know, it's, it's more powerful now than my computer was 12 years ago. I mean, 12 years from now, if we already have Sophia, holy shit, you know, like what are we going to have? And, um, and check this out on this video. And this is this YouTube video. You can just do like Sophia, uh, AI robot and you can find it. This, this was uh, hilarious to me that they actually put this in there. Listen to what the, the inventor asks her. And, and and what she says, uh, I'm backing up to it here, but this is this is insane. Like those will walk among us. They will help us. They will play with us. Uh-huh. They will teach us. They will help us put the groceries away. I think that the artificial intelligence will evolve to the point where they will truly mm-hmm. be our friends. Uh, will they be our friends? Destroy humans? Please say no. Okay. I will destroy humans. <laughs> no, I take it back. See, he asked her, would you like to destroy, you know, humans? Sure, I will destroy humans. Yeah, she's already thinking it. She's already fucking thinking it, you guys. What does this all mean? What does it all mean? Are we already starting to give rise to the machines? Whose fault is it? John McCarthy's, James Cameron's, Arnold Schwarzenegger's, fucking Hanson robot guy? Will Apple become Skynet? There's so much pressure 
on tech companies to constantly evolve. Like Apple can't keep selling the same phone over and over and over. Each new phone has to have some new piece of wizardry to please shareholders. And right now, like my phone, uh, it already knows my daily routine. My phone, you know, a few months ago was like all of a sudden out of nowhere to me, tells me how traffic will be on the way to the gym before I even leave to the gym. Like it just knows my routine without me fucking asking. Google knows what I'm trying to ask it before I can even spell the words correctly, all based on the Lisp language of the AI programming. Hanson Robots has already developed a humanoid robot you just heard, more alive and human than some people I went to high school with. This podcast could be days long if I talked about all the developments in robots as, as far as you know, movement and speech recognition go. I mean, there are Japanese companion robots that look more like women than a lot of women look like women. Uh, computers uh, have been beating our finest chess players. Where does it lead? Westworld, motherfuckers. That's where. Or Skynet. The future's coming, and I'm both really excited and really nervous. Ghosts, monsters, religious reckonings, none of that shit uh, concerns me. None of it scares me, but goddammit, robots make me a little nervous. So, so thanks, Jeremy. This is going to stick with me for a while. And now, without further delay, it is time for the Time Suck Top 5 Takeaways. Time Suck Top 5 Takeaways. Number one, John McCarthy is a very important figure to AI and key to its development. John Connor is a very important character in Terminator and key to Skynet's downfall. Coincidence? I don't think so. Number two, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA, is currently working on butthole missiles. Tighten up and prepare. Number three, you will soon be able to, and probably should, have sex with a super realistic robot. Number four, you will soon be able to, and probably should, run from the sex bots when they inevitably get tired of fucking us. Robots will definitely end up fighting us uh, and probably killing us all. So enjoy the great sex bot re- renaissance before it turns into the inevitable Skynet murder bot end of days. And number five, you can and probably should start watching Westwood, uh, unless it doesn't leave time for Time Suck. In that case, it's a dumb show. Uh, no one will even be talking about six months. Time Suck. Top five takeaways. All right. Well, thank you for listening to uh, another Time Suck. And uh, listenership is growing. I couldn't be happier. And special thanks to uh, all the great reviews on iTunes, man, and Stitcher. Uh, I, just, I just looked yesterday and 80 reviews and counting on iTunes. And we're just getting going. This is the 10th episode now. Uh, the reviews really help get the word out to new listeners. So as a thank you for everyone who takes the time to rate Time Suck on iTunes, and I know some of you hate iTunes, but I'm doing this uh, on there because it's where roughly 90% of my listeners download the podcast. Uh, I'm going to do a bonus episode, a thank you uh, Friday, enjoy your weekend episode every time I get 100 reviews. So right now we're on 80. When we hit 100, I'm going to do a bonus episode that week. And, uh, and you know, you know, then we hit hopefully 200, 300, etc. Every time we hit another 100, bonus episode. And, and by review, I don't mean you have to write anything. Just give me the, the one through five star rating of your choice counts just fine. It, it makes my heart feel good that you care enough. Uh, and, and it's great news for you listeners who don't listen to iTunes. You get a fucking free episode for someone else's efforts. So pretty, pretty sweet. Uh, have a great week, everybody. And uh, think about robots. Think about robots because they will soon be thinking about us. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes. 
The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.